listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Jesus right now. Come on, a lot of people are gearing up and they're getting the popcorn and the pizzas and the snacks and the drinks. And unfortunately, a lot of them are getting the beer too. They're getting ready to have a celebration this afternoon. But we're having a celebration right now. Come on, in our celebration, we don't have any losers in our celebration. We're all winners in God. So I'm glad that you're here this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, I pray that you would anoint me as I bring forth your word today. God, that it would be life to each one of us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. This morning, I want to talk about a subject that I believe is of greatest importance in your life. Because I want to see you change today. Because if we change today, our tomorrow will already be affected. You see, Here's the truth that I want you to grab a hold of from the beginning today, and that is this. Yesterday doesn't count. It's this day forward. We can't go back and repair those things. We may need to say sorry. We may need to make right. But we cannot change what was said or done yesterday. So the thought is, it's this day forward. And over the last now 13 days, as we have been praying and fasting, during that time, I really pray and I also believe that God has perhaps been revealing to some of you the state of your heart. Areas of perhaps what we could label as weakness, but really sin would probably be the best definition we could have. That some of us have got those hidden things, those things that we have present in our lives that are displeasing to God. Things that so easily work themselves in. You don't have to teach a child how to say no. There's a nature called the sin nature that we are born with. And as a result, there's a nature inside every one of us that we don't have to be told how to do wrong, but we need to be told to straighten up. And get our lives back in order. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. It says these words, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That's speaking about the spiritual saints that have gone on before. And they are now seated in heaven, cheering us on that their lives are an example to every one of us, saying, if I can make it, you can make it. Aren't you glad that you've got someone cheering you on today? You've got Elijah, you've got the prophets, you've got the men of God that have lived, that are cheering us on, saying, listen, our lives are living proof that you can make it. So let's read on. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Weight and the sin, which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance. Say this word with me, stamina. Let's have stamina, endurance, unwilling to be denied, to quit or to stop or to miss out on what God has. God wants to give us an endurance that we'll never quit, but we'll keep trust in Him. Let us run with endurance the race 
that is set before us. And life's a marathon. It's not a sprint. But listen to these next few words of verse 2 that says, and I love these words, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking not just a glance in passing, not just making brief eye contact with, but literally connecting with God. That word looking there in the Greek is a word that is pronounced aphorao. And I'm probably really killing it right there. But that's aphorao. And that word is broken up of two words. The first word is apo, A-P-O, which means away from. And the second word is horeo, which means to see. Therefore, when we see looking unto Jesus there, we see what? It signifies an undivided attention, looking away from all other distractions in order to fix one's gaze upon Jesus. Literally, that verse, words in that verse mean this, having eyes for no one else, save only Jesus. You see, we've been fasting and crying out to God, but the Bible tells us there's weights and sins, that there's a look of faith that we need to have that lets go of everything else. You see, it's a kind of look like that that enabled Peter to walk on water. And he walked until what? He took his eyes off of Jesus. In this passage, we see that we must put down and lay aside and get rid of anything that's going to hinder our progress particularly every form of sin. But it says the weights and the sins. There are weights that are not sins in our lives yet. Let me say that one more time. We have weights in our lives that are not sins yet, but they're not good for us. And they're delaying and hindering our lives. I'll give you an example. Talking about friendships or relationships, you can have a friend that's not a good influence over your life. You may not be doing the wrong things, but they're constantly harping in your ear, trying to get you to go and do this or to be a part of this. Now, you're not sinning right now, but it's a weight that is bogging you down and hindering you in your spiritual walk. And if you don't watch, you're probably going to start heeding to that voice and you're going to fall into the trap of sin. Do I hear an amen or an oh my in the house? So we've got to watch the weights and the sins, the things that displease God in our lives and look to Jesus. Don't even look to others around. It's great to have people that we're running with and supporting. But if you would watch on these races, one of the worst things you can do when you're kicking for home is to turn and see where the next person is behind you. Why? Because that split second of looking can stop that forward progress in the same momentum. And it can cost you the race. It can cost you finishing the race. So our eyes are gazed, fixed on Jesus. Thank God for pastors and leaders and people. But you know what? If you're looking to man, you're going to be disappointed. But when you look to God, you're never going to be disappointed. So we believe that fasting identifies the weights and the sins of our lives. It refocuses us again on our prize, Christ Jesus. It helps us clean the house to identify those things. Fasting helps us to discern between what is the flesh and what is the spirit. Putting the flesh down, our desires, our ways, our thoughts that we will take on, as the Word of God says, the mind of Christ, living according to the spirit, living a life of obedience. Obedient living is applying the Word of God 
to our everyday lives. Not just being a hearer only, as James 1 verse 22 says, do not be, what? Do or do be, or, but be doers. That's the one. Help us, Jesus. I'll get it in a minute. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Turn to your neighbor and say, no one else to blame. I'm deceiving myself. It's all on me. We don't need to just hear, we need to do. Getting our lives where they need to be. Identifying those things, yes, but then dealing with those things. This morning I want to talk on the subject of worthy walking or walking worthy for God. I read this scripture last week and as I was reading this scripture, it just literally jumped out of the page at me. And I just pray today that this scripture jumps all over you today. Turn with me to First Colossians or Colossians 1, sorry, verse 9 through 11. Colossians 1, 9 through 11. It says these words. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy, verse 10, of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy. In verse 9 of Colossians chapter 1, we see that Paul is talking about how he prays for the Colossians. He's praying that they may be filled with the knowledge of God. Literally, that they would know God's way and God's will for their lives. God has a way and a will for your life. Paul is praying that they would discover that. Why? Because other teachers and philosophers and and heretics at that time were preaching another knowledge, not of God. They had come in and they were teaching people another way. Worldly knowledge. A knowledge that was self-serving, appealing to the fleshly desires. It's the same type of knowledge that we read of in Proverbs 14, verse 12, where it says this, There is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. There's a way that fits us. Well, that feels good. It seems right. It fits my agenda. Come on, that's worldly knowledge. That's another knowledge where God wants us to have his knowledge that we would discover his perfect will for our lives. So Paul is praying that over them, that you won't be deceived, that you won't be distracted, but you would find out what God's plan and purpose is for your life. And verse 10 is where I want to focus today. And he says these words, that you would walk worthy of the Lord. That you would walk worthy of the Lord. The New Living Translation says, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. I like that. Is the way I live fully honoring and pleasing the Lord? You see, this is why this scripture jumped out at me last week. 
Because I was challenged. I say I'm a Christian. I say I live for God. I say I'm a pastor. I say I'm all these things. But is my walk worthy of the Lord? Is your walk worthy of the Lord? You see, when we begin to understand what God desires to do in our lives and through our lives, we will ask God to help us make wise spiritual decisions. We will ask God to give us wisdom so that we will follow his way. That's basically what they were saying in verse 9. We're praying for you that you would have the knowledge, the wisdom of God, that you would live right. But then what happens as you discover the will of God and live according to his will, what takes place? You then begin to live a life that honors and pleases God. I want to please God with I want my existence upon this earth to be pleasing to him, not a never-ending disappointment. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 5, that talks about Enoch. The Bible says this, that Enoch walked before God, and guess what? His life pleased God. By faith, Enoch was taken away, so he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. He pleased God. What an incredible testimony to have. An incredible testimony to know. To be known that you pleased God in the life that we've lived. Today you may say, and I pray you do, that you desire a closer walk with God. Many pieces of paper up on that wall have in some way, shape or form those words up on there that what? That I want a closer walk with God. During this time of fasting and praying, I want a closer walk with God. Can I tell you today, a closer walk with God is more than just a prayer. A closer walk with God is more than just a prayer that you need to pray. That's the starting place. I can pray that I'll go to New Orleans. God, I want to go to New Orleans. God, take me to New Orleans. Guess what? I'm never going to get there until I get in a car or on a bus or some form of transportation. may have to walk or ride a bike. may take me a little bit longer, but at least I'm heading in that direction. So I've got to first get on or in a vehicle, and I've got to start heading that direction. God, I want a closer walk with you. Well, what are you doing to have your walk be closer to God? Are you laying aside the weights and the sins? Are you getting in His Word? Are you crying out? Are you turning away from this and that, those things? Oh, but God, I'm just praying. Yeah, and God says, I've given you the abilities too. You know what to do. The Bible says we don't have to be ignorant. And we better not be ignorant because Satan is like a roaring lion. He's seeking those who would be ignorant. He wants to rob us, rip us limb for limb. He wants to attack us. So in other words, I've got to put action to my prayer. Are you with me this morning? If I want a closer walk with God, if I want to walk worthy of the Lord, I've got to put action to my prayer. I've got to walk pleasing to Him. As I walk, the way my life will be, I believe, will be pleasing to God. But can I say this? Pleasing God is not a goal that one day we hope to obtain. 
oh, maybe one day I'm going to get there and I'll please God. Pleasing God is a step every day. What do I mean? As I walk every day, every step of every day should be that which pleases God. It's not a goal that I'm going to achieve. It's something I need to live every day, every second as I walk in my life. Why? Because the Bible says when I walk worthy of him, it goes on to say there'll be fruitfulness and increase in my life. We all want blessings. We all want increase. We all want the hand of God upon our lives. I read someone this week and it's so true what they said. You know, we can stand and pray, God, my finances are in a mess and I want you to bless them. You know what? If we are not being faithful to God and paying our tithes, God can't bless that. Oh, but God, I want my relationship to work, but the person's not even saved. He already said in his word, don't be unequally yoked. So he's already established the fact that his blessing or favor is not upon that. So don't come praying and expecting your prayers to be heard that God's going to bless that relationship. Come on, don't shoot me down in this place. I'm preaching the truth. If you want to be blessed to the Lord, you've got to start walking worthy. You've got to start getting your house in order, putting God first. Because when you put God first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then what? All things will be added. But you know what? One thing I've discovered, Dale, about God, he's not just in the the additional business. God's in the multiplication business too. Come on. He won't only add to our lives. He'll multiply to our lives. Press down. Shaken together and running over. You see, as I walk that way, Worthy of the Lord. My relationship with Him will grow and grow as I'll get to know Him better and better. I want to give you some key points today about worthy walking. Point number one. If we're going to walk worthy of the Lord, we've got to take up our cross daily. Come on, don't shout me down in the house. We've got to take up our cross daily. Matthew 16 and verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. To take up the cross means to deny one's self. When Jesus told this or used this example or illustration to his disciples and the followers that were around him that day, they struggled with this. Because they saw the pain and the agony. They saw the horror of people being crucified every day because that was what the Roman rule did to those who were criminals of that day. Today, if we were to go to a major intersection, say if we were to get on Sherwood Forest from here and we were to hit the interstate right there, back in the Roman days or in the Bible days when the Romans were in rule, that intersection right there would be lined with crosses the major intersections as a warning to all those who would define. People would see the agony, the torture and the pain. And Jesus said, that's what you've got to do. You've got to be a part of that to follow me. They struggled with that. And I think we would struggle with that too if we were alive during those days. What that? You see, what Jesus was trying to show them is what he's trying to show us today, and that is this. To follow him means a total commitment. A total commitment. 
even in their case, risking death. Thank God for this nation that we don't run the risk of dying yet for the cause of Christ. It's getting worse and worse. But there's people today who went to church today, maybe not knowing if they would make it home because they could be killed for their faith, their Christian faith in Jesus Christ. But Jesus said, if you want to take up your cross to deny yourself, means that you've got to follow me and make such a true commitment. But here's the other thought, no turning back. No turning back. Many people today can't get this. To deny oneself is not easy. To surrender complete control over to God is not easy. We still want control. What was that bumper sticker they used to have on cars? Crazy it was. God is my co-pilot. That means you've got your hands on the dials and just in case you need help, he's there. Come on, I'm not even in the cockpit of my life. Come on, I'm sitting in the back letting the angels kind of wait on me a little bit. And God's driving my plane. Come on, I want Him to drive my life because I want to lay down my life, to deny myself. Many people want Savior, but few people today want Lord. Complete control, ruler of. Denial is less of me and more of him. John said it this way. He said, I must decrease so that he can increase. John was speaking of the fact that he must die, be taken off the earth so that God's ministry, the ministry of Jesus Christ would come into the forefront, that it would not be a distraction. What was John saying? What every one of us needs to say, God, I need to decrease. Dying to self. But so often we're so unwilling to deny ourselves. I'm going to make a statement this morning that's very strong, but it's very true. If you're unwilling to deny yourself, you will never truly follow God. Let me say that one more time. If you're unwilling to deny yourself, to put to death the flesh, to allow God to have complete control of your life, if you will refuse to do that, you will never truly follow God. You see, to live for Christ is to die to self, to crucify the flesh. So many people today are living in partial victory, partial blessings, partial breakthroughs. Why? Because they're not denying self fully trusting God. You see, a lot of people struggle, therefore, then with the concept of surrendering and giving. Because in the natural, if we surrender or give something, we no longer have control over it. So if we don't have control over it, it's almost like we don't have say over it. So if we don't have say over it, we've got what? Watch out. Then that means I don't know what's happening and this and that. You see, so many times we think to deny ourselves is to surrender all choice and decision. It's not. We think it's just literally living not our life anymore, but someone else's life. No, it's not. That's not the case whatsoever. But do you know in denying yourself, you find life? You find life. How do I know this? Because the Bible tells us in the next verse that we just read in Matthew. It says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, it says this, after we've picked up our cross and followed him daily, it goes on to say, for whoever desires to save his life, say with me, hold on to it. 
Come on, say it with me. Hold on to it. Unwilling to deny whoever what desires to save his life will. Don't shout me down. God's word's not mine. You're going to lose it. But whosoever what denies his life, loses his life, gives up his life freely, what happens? For my sake will find it. Find what? The pathway of life. The way to walk worthy before the Lord. There's no greater future for your life than when you let Him have complete control. What school should I go to? God, I want you to show me. Give me the wisdom. I can want to do this and I can want to do that. What person should I marry? I'm telling you, deny yourself. Get God's best for your life. Why? Because your life will fit perfectly on His path. A train can't run unless it's on the tracks. But when you allow and deny yourself, you can roll down that track and your life will go somewhere. Second thing we've got to see if we're going to walk worthy of the Lord, we've got to abstain from evil. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. In the New Living Translation it says, keep away from every kind of evil. That's pretty plain and simple, isn't it? Pastor, what should I do? Keep away from every kind of evil. Now, obviously, even as Christians, it's impossible today to avoid every kind of evil because we live in such a sin-filled world. world. It bombards us every day. You don't have to turn the TV on for long before something's smacking you in the face. You don't have to be at work long before someone's conversation or the joke they're telling or something slaps you in the face. You don't have to be driving far in your car before sin itself will begin to raise itself inside of you when someone cuts you off and all of a sudden you're laying on the horn and hopefully not waving at them. The one finger wave. But there's sin that's all around us. It bombards us. Even as Christians, we can't live in a cocoon. It's around us. As parents, we want to protect our kids. But you know what? We can't protect them in the hallways of their school, in the classrooms. We can't protect them every second of every day because we're not with them. So in this world, there are sinful things all around us. But the Bible says to keep away from. So what does that mean? We therefore, however, need to therefore make sure that we don't give evil a foothold in our lives. But we avoid every tempting situation. To abstain means to stay away from those pitfalls or those pitholes, those slippery slopes that will take us down. They may be places, they may be people, they may be weaknesses in our lives, and that's why we need to implement godly wisdom in our lives. If God set you free from alcohol, it's probably not a good idea for you to go back into the bars. It's probably not a good idea for you to hang around with those who are drinking. Well, are you doubting the fact that God didn't save them and set them free? No, I'm not doubting the fact, but we need to live with godly wisdom. The Bible tells us that sin is a separating factor between God and man. It's like a curtain. It's a wall of separation. It's a barrier. And if I'm going to walk worthy of the Lord, that barrier of sin must come down in my life. If not, I'm not walking worthy of God. 
We've got to steer away from evil. Think a step ahead. Think the next step ahead with a circumstance and situation. When you get yourself into a place, prepare ahead of time for those situations of life that come by. Listen to this thought. If Eve would have stayed away from the tree, she would never have run the risk of eating the apple. Well, it wasn't an apple. Well, it is in my message. I know the Bible just says a fruit has been depicted as an apple. But if she would have never stood in front of that tree, she would have never risked falling into temptation. Now, that doesn't mean that Satan would have left her alone because we know that Satan seizes every opportunity he can to come in and tempt us. We all know that, don't we? But the temptation to sin would never have been so powerful if she wasn't staring that tree down and within reach of that fruit. What are you telling me right now? We've got to live a life that abstains evil, stays away. Why? Because we can think we're strong. And many of us have thought we're strong. But you know what? A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. We like to put the strong chains forward, but some of us are hiding the weak links at the back. But you know what? That chain's going to crack and fold where that small link is. If we stay away from temptation, then even if the enemy comes into our minds. Listen, if someone is tempted to do drugs, they can't do drugs if they're in a room with no drugs. It's when we start hanging around with the people who are doing drugs and then the temptation comes. It's available right there for us. Stay away. Abstain from all appearances of evil. Genesis 3 verse 6. The Bible says when she saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and desirable to make her wise. How did she know it was wise? Because she had had a conversation with Satan. Oh, you're not going to die. You're going to be like God. Don't listen to the lies because all the lies are doing are setting you up to stand in that place where you can partake of that fruit and sin will enter your life. And not to be ignorant of his devices, the desire that he has to ensnare us and lock us down. And the best way is still abstinence. Come on, I said the best way is still abstinence. You can apply that to every area of your life. Young people, the best way sexually is still abstinence. If you don't want sexually transmitted diseases, if you don't want all these things of this world, abstinence is just still the best way. It's the best way of life, period. Stay away from sin, the temptations, the things. If you have a temptation to look at things that you shouldn't on a computer... Take a computer out of a private office and put it somewhere where everyone else is around. And even better than that, if you can live without it, throw the stupid thing out of the window and get rid of that temptation out of your home. Abstain from evil. Why? Because I want to walk worthy of the Lord. Third thing we've got to watch in our lives is this. We've got to follow His voice. John 10 verse 4 says, And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. In order to follow his voice, you've got to first know his voice. Knowing his voice is discovered only through relationship. 
through relationship, God desires to lead our lives. Jesus used three parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. I know I've said this before, but I look at things like that and I ask myself, well, why were they lost? We just assume that they were lost because Jesus said. But I look and say, well, why were they lost? And as I look, I see the sheep was lost because he did not hear the voice of the shepherd. Which meant he had either wandered off or not kept up. Why was the coin lost? Well, obviously because of neglect, because a coin doesn't just run off on its own. It's neglect. It wasn't taken proper care of. There was no value to it in the eyes of that person. And therefore, they didn't really value it. They did not prize it. They did not treasure it. And therefore, it was lost. And the lost son was lost because of wrong decisions, listening to the wrong voices, being drawn away. Listen, in our relationships with God, we can so often have the same outcomes happen in our lives. We wander off. We don't keep up. We neglect. We don't treasure. We listen to the wrong voices. We make the wrong decisions. Why? Because we're not following his voice. you got to know his voice. Well, Pastor P, how do I know the voice of God? Close your eyes right now. Everyone in here, close your eyes. Count of three. I'm going to get someone to say a word in here and see if you know who's saying it. Are you ready? One, two, three. Hello. Who said that word? Pastor P, what a shocker, huh? How many knew that was Pastor P that said that word? How did you know that? Because you know my voice. How do you know my voice? Because you listen to my voice. Every week you hear it. How do you know the voice of God? To listen to the voice of God. If you haven't heard God lately, read him and you will discover the voice of God. And the voice of God is something that will never lead you astray from his word will always bear witness to this, never in contradiction, but always leading. You've got to know the voice of God. Help me, Jesus. Let's move on really quick. Number four, you've got to hate the world. Hate the world. Quite strong words, isn't it? But they're the words that we read of in the Word of God. It says this in 1 John 2, verse 15 and 16. Do not love the world or the things of the world. For if anyone loves the world, listen to this. The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now in this passage, it's not saying that we, shouldn't, that we should hate the world in a physical sense. That we hate everything of the world. That's not what it's talking about. But it's talking rather about us hating the systems and the sinfulness that operates within this world. That we shouldn't desire the things of this world, but only what God has for us. There's a lot of Christians today that love God, but yet love the world. They love God, but yet they love the world. What do you mean? They want the best of both worlds. They want to come to church and say they're a Christian and live for God. But then the rest of the week, they live however, which, what way. And they still want their lives to be blessed. Oh, we want to live for God, but we still want to hold on to the worldly things. Come on, I want to live for God. But you know what? I still like to gamble just a little bit. But that's okay because when I get some winnings, I'll pay 20% to God. And God's going to honor therefore that. 
You see, we like to love God, but we want a little bit of this. You know what? I'd still like to party. I'm not as partying as hard as I used to, but you know, I still like to do this, just like a drink every now and again, you know, and maybe a couple of joints here and there, but it's nothing major or a couple of pills. It's nothing that I'm not losing control of. You've already lost control. You see, going back to the fact of denying yourself, the stupidity of life is this. You serve two masters. You'll either serve God or you'll serve Satan. And we know that God wants to bring us into life. But John 10.10 tells us that Satan wants to kill and destroy us. So you can turn around and say, well, I don't like to surrender my life to God. Well, you've already surrendered your life to Satan. So you're living under his rule. So you're not in control anyway. You think you are, but you're not in control. Because there's two masters of this world, the God of this world, Satan, and the God of life, Jesus Christ. But I still want this. We want to live straddling the fence. Problem with straddling the fence. Number one, it's very uncomfortable. And number two, you run the risk of falling completely in. Some people add that they think that worldliness is just limited to external behavior, which it is, but there's another side of it. Worldliness is external, meaning the people we associate with, the places we go, the activities we enjoy, those kind of things are worldly. But you know what? Worldliness can also be internal. Because it begins in the heart and is characterized by the three attitudes that we just read in verse 16, which talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's coming from within us. So we've got to hate the world, yes, externally, but we've also got to hate the world internally that tries to infiltrate itself inside of us. We've got to put away the lusts of worldliness from us and hate the world. Why? Because verse 17 says, that which is of the world is passing away. It's a temporary fix. Will you hang with me for a couple more minutes? Number five, we've got to be holy. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 8 says these words. It says this, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who did not know God, that no one should take advantage and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. Also, we, all, we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has given us his Holy Spirit. Let me read verse 7 again. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but... In holiness. We read of in the Bible for 40 years because of their failure to believe God, the children of Israel wandered in a wilderness. But after Moses had been laid to rest and Joshua was now placed in charge, God gave a new command. And God says, Now it's time to go and possess the land that I have promised unto you. So what did Joshua first do? What was it God instructed Joshua to do? In Joshua 3 verse 5, he raises himself up in the midst of the people and Joshua says to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourself. Wonders were promised them through sanctification. 
as they were to put away the old and sanctify their lives, God says, wonders are going to start taking place. You know the, the Hebrew word for sanctify is kadash, which is the same root word for holy. Sanctification, you see, is the process of becoming holy in your daily life. It's the process of, we're on a process. Come on, God is making us holy. There's some things in our lives we're not still proud of, but sanctification is a process where God is stripping those things off of our lives. If I'm going to walk worthy of the Lord, come on, daily God's Spirit needs to be working in my life. If I haven't been changed daily in my life, I'm not really, truly denying myself. I'm living for God. Sanctification is putting to practice the purity and being set apart from the world and from sin. It's that abstinence as we talked about. Sanctification is also allowing the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus in what we do, in what we think, and what we desire. Sanctification is not talked much from the pulpit these days. But if we're going to walk worthy of the Lord in honor or pleasing to Him, if we're going to see wonders in our midst, we must confront the sin in our lives and live a life of holiness before God. Sanctification and holiness is the key to being in God's will. How do you know that, Pastor P? Because we just read it in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Your sanctification. Here's my description of holiness. Holiness is living your life pleasing to God. Not wanting anything else as a part of your life that doesn't honor God. Allowing Him, God, to remove all the rough edges off of your life. Yes, it's a process, but it's one that He promises to be faithful to complete if we'll allow Him to do it. You know what? There's still so much that I could say today, but time is gone. But if I'm going to walk worthy of the Lord, Let me give you a couple of other steps and you can look at these more yourself. If I'm going to walk worthy of the Lord, I've got to learn to trust Him. Trust Him. Have you ever had situations and circumstances come across your life that you looked and said, God, what is the deal? Why are you doing this to me? But through that circumstance, the hard way, you realized it would have been so much easier if I'd have just trusted Him from the beginning. The parable of the talents. Three servants were given talents. The first, the Bible says, one and multiplied it. He took a risk. The second took a risk. He invested it. They doubled their money. The third servant dug a hole. And when they stood before the master, the first said, look. And the master said, good job. The second said, look. And the master said, awesome job. And the third said, you know what? I know you're a hard man. And I know you reap where you haven't sown and you gather where you didn't sow. So I was afraid. What is the thought? The third servant didn't do anything immoral. He really didn't do anything wrong. But because he didn't trust his master, he failed the test. 
It's a sad thing when we can't really trust God. If we don't trust God, we'll never walk worthy of God. We've got to learn to trust Him, to have faith in Him. How do we do that? By denying ourselves all the steps that we've talked, places us into that place. We must trust God with our lives. The second thing, with, or the seventh thing that we need to do is we need to refuse to be discouraged and quit. If I'm going to walk worthy of the Lord, there's not an end. I've got to keep on going. The only end for my walk is when the trump of God sounds. Come on. But until that day, I've got to keep trusting and walking. I don't have no time off when I'm a Christian. Time out. Time out. No time out. It's 24-7, 365, 366 every four years. Can't even get a leap year off or day off. Last thing we've got to look at, and I know there's so many others, the list continues, but the last thing I had on my list is this. We've got to be patient. We're going to walk worthy of the Lord. It may not happen today. Why? Because a day is as a thousand years to God. Have you ever asked God for something and he said, just wait a second? How many knows that his second could be a lot longer than your second? If a day is as a thousand years, come on, a second could be weeks, months, and maybe years. But you know what? If God says, just wait, you can trust him. And take it to the bank that he's going to bring it to pass. But listen to this. When God says, wait, I wonder if God says, I'm waiting on you. When God says, wait, is he perhaps waiting for the process of your life? I was reading that in that awakening book. When we ask God for things in our lives and we pray, don't ever belittle the process of what's taken place when we pray. That God's changing us and preparing us during that time. We can say, well, God, why haven't you answered my prayer? Because God is preparing you for the answer to prayer, that you'll be in the place that you need to be. Be patient. Are you walking worthy of the Lord? Colossians 1 verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge, the will, his plan for your life. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Forevermore, master.